The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Well, we are um, in the middle of a series called All Things New. And how many of you are like, I am ready for God to make something new in my life this month? How many of you are ready for that? I know a few of us now are ready, but um, you know, God is, is working. He is, um, we've been sharing some stories. Last week, we got to hear the powerful testimony from Jim and Tina Rothy, just about how God has been transforming them and making them new just with the daily consistent discipline to be in God's word. And that was a powerful testimony that we got to hear last week. Um, but you know, I have to tell you this, you know, after they shared their story, Sean talked a little bit about how God works in the moments, but he also works through process, and we all know that. But I have to confess to you that I was challenged by that because when we started talking about this series, All Things New and Transformation, my mind instantly went to miracles, right? I was ready for God to just like uh, make blind eyes see in the month of November at Crossroads and for people with depression to just be freed in a moment and for um, those who are enslaved to sin to just have a moment with God where there was just like this miracle moment and God just like made something new, right? I mean, that would be exciting, wouldn't it? And that's still truthfully what I want. And so honestly, I go into this message and I start um, preparing and I'm immediately, I just start studying all the miracles of Jesus. I'm like, well, what did he do? What's the common thread? What do we need? And, um, you know, I was challenged because while Jesus did so, uh, he did he did so many miracles and we got to see that happen. But as I'm, as I'm listening to these people and we're recording their stories that we're sharing every week, and as I look around at the people in my life and as I look at the scripture as a whole, I realize that those miracles, those miraculous moments, though God does do them, they are the exception, not the norm. Okay? The, def- the very definition of a miracle is something unexpected, something uncommon, something unexplainable. And so by definition, those moments where God just miraculously speaks a word and someone is healed, they happen, but they're not the norm. Most of us are gonna live most of our days through process, and God's gonna make us new and transform our lives through process. So he does both. But I believe that he can speak to sickness, and it goes away. But I also believe uh, what the psalmist says in Psalm 147, verse 3, where it says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So it doesn't say he takes their wounds away. It says he binds them up, he wraps them up, he bandages them so that the healing process can begin. Because while God does miracles in moments, I believe he simultaneously does healing through process. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, I am made new. If you are in Christ, that's a theme verse. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. I have been made new, but I'm still in process. And God's still working on me. And what does that look like? If you're like me, you're like, give me practicals. How does this happen in my life? And we're going to share that. But first, we're going to hear a story from, from some sweet Sweet friends, Bo and Jennifer Bryson, they're going to share their story with us on a video this morning. And I want to go to that quickly because I'm going to save all the words I have for after the video. Uh, I want you to know that we're, going to, we're making room today for God, for us to have some moments with God today. 
some moments that can shape what the rest of our lives look like from here on out. We're praying for that to happen. We're gonna allow time. So set it in your mind that once this video is over, we're gonna dig into scripture and then we're gonna stop and take some moments to respond. We're not gonna rush out of here if we don't have to, okay? And so I'm gonna pray for us and then we're just gonna go right into this video as soon as I'm done praying. But we're just gonna ask God to help us. As we listen to this story, I want you to listen. You're gonna hear some moments some moments that were miraculous, some moments where some shifting happened, but you're also gonna hear a lot about the process. So God, we just thank you today. We thank you that you are here, that you are the God of breakthrough. You are the God of miracles, and we are still believing and hoping that you will do some of that. God, we're not setting that to the side. We believe that you can. This morning, I pray that our hearts would, would come to you in humility, God, ready for you to do, to just begin a healing work in our lives, that this morning we would be open to you making every aspect of our lives new, in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, Crossroads. It is Bo and Jennifer Bryson, and we're here to tell you the transformation that has happened in our lives. We've been married... 24 years, almost 24 years. Uh, but I'm gonna start off with something that Jennifer wrote in November 16, 2003. That's kind of when this whole transformation process really took off. It says this, I went for a walk today. I spotted a beautiful green field with lots of trees and plenty of sunshine. I saw us running around and acting crazy, wrestling with you, tackling me to the ground, laughing and then a big kiss. We could lay there for a while and enjoy the sun. I also kicked a few rocks. One big one kept going to the other side. We used to kick rocks back and forth when we don't walk. It wasn't any fun having to chase it by myself. It's been six days. I miss you terribly. I look out the window at every single car I hear go by in hopes that it is you. Each time my heart stops and then it has to start again when I realize it's not you. It is so hard to breathe these days. No laughter. It is a beautiful day here. I hope the sun is shining on you. Guys, I kept this in the back of my Bible. Um, this has been almost 18 years ago. And the, the backstory of this, we moved to Lincoln in August of 2003. And three months later, this note came from me walking out on our marriage. I um, felt hopeless. I felt really, for me, like a failure. Like I just wasn't good at practice. I wasn't good at really anything in life that I felt that I, that I set up a standard for myself that honestly probably wasn't even true. But that's the standard that I had in my head. And I didn't live up to it. So this note came about from when I left the note on the kitchen table. And when my wife got home from work, she read a note that I'm gone. And honestly, my plan was to end my life. Like I was done. And um, it was, it was not a good time in our lives. Like he said, I came home from work one day and there was a note on our kitchen counter that basically said he was gone and as you can imagine um the reality that there was definitely some problems in our marriage became truth it became tangible it became real and the idea of your friend your spouse your husband being gone and not even knowing what that means like not i mean what does that mean you know and i think it became real you know, a week later when he really is gone and no one can help you find, you know, 
how to get in touch with him, how to find him. You have no idea where he's at or what he's doing, um, as you can imagine, an array of emotions for a week. Um, I was working at the time, and thank goodness I did have people come in uh, for that week of my life to at least just make sure I got out of bed in the morning and went to work, I think. I don't remember, but um, yeah, it was really hard. It was a real moment in time where you just had to convince yourself to breathe every day. And I really cannot explain to you the array of emotions other than pure, what people would say, basket case. That's what I would call myself that week because in one moment, I'm cleaning out closets and dropping, throwing things into our new business that we had just opened. And the very next day, I'm picking up all the clothes and things that just got thrown into the office and neatly hanging them back up into a closet. So, (laughs) um, yeah, it was really hard. So um, I remember reaching out and crying out in depths of my spirit during that time, even just going from pure hatred to pure joy at times of just finding rest and peace. And then, yeah, six days later, uh, Bo did return and... It wasn't easy, but from that point on, our story, our story really goes. I mean, you know, that's really the start of a nine-year marriage. Yeah, we were married for about eight to nine years at that point. And, um, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, I look at this, this letter here, and man, I just, you know, I can't imagine, like, what Jennifer felt when I left, because just the, the abandonment and the, the heartache. And, I mean, I had my own stuff going on right inside of me. That's why I left. And, but I, I, when I, cause I didn't get this, honestly, she didn't give this to me right away, right? This was like years later that I finally got this letter and I taped it in the back of my Bible. And, um, and the fact that she says, I hope the sun is shining on you. That's, I mean, honestly, that just still moves me. Like, it is like, holy cow, I did something horrible to this person and they can say, I hope the sun is shining on you. That just like moves me to the depths of my spirit. So when I came back, uh, you know, we had gone to um, a church and I met a guy named Tom Swihart. When I came back, like, I was like, I just, I called him. And I was like, hey, can I talk to you? He met me at Village Inn and I just basically verbally vomited for like, I don't know, it felt like 17 hours. I don't even know. It was a long time. And, you know, and the thing that struck me about Tom is there was no judgment, zero judgment. He was like, okay, what are you going to do now? And I was like, well, what do you mean? I was like, I don't know what to do. Because at that point, um, you know, I had moved out of our home that we that we had in, in Rotley So and then I had to figure out some things on my own like you know um, I remember because at that time she was a breadwinner of our house and so and she was like she like changed bank accounts and did all those things and I was like what? I'm like what? I'm like oh I gotta like do something here now and so I was like you know doing a paper wrap in the morning doing chiropractic in the um, day and then I was teaching the night at the college and I was worn out and I remember like I slept at the office a few times and just different things and it was hard, but honestly, really, really good at the same time to bring to humble me and to bring me closer to God during that time. And then I so started meeting with Tom, and he's like, "Hey, let's meet every week at Village Inn." Well, that week turned into seven straight years. I did not miss. 
Tom, but I think he purposely ran late. <laughs> so I would just sit there and read the Bible and drink really not good coffee. But um, <laughs> but it was a really good time in my life where he's like, I was like, what am I supposed to do? He's like, read the word. I'm like, what? He's like, start Genesis and read through Revelation. I'm like, oh. Because I honestly, I don't think, I've never done that. I was raised in a church, right? So I knew all the right things to say. And as I went through this process, really what God highlighted me for myself was I was like a, what Jesus talks about, that wash, 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 white, wash tomb with dead men, dead men bones inside. And I, that's how I really felt. Like I was playing this game for so long, really just, I mean, I knew the right thing to say. I knew when to play the game. I knew when not to play the game. And I, I was like dead on the inside. And I, I remember sometimes I'd come to Tom because we'd be talking about, you know, husband and wife stuff. And, and I'd be like, blah, blah, blah. And he'd be like, now about Jennifer said to me, and he'd be like, well, she's right on my right? And so I'm like, you're no longer my mentor. <laughs> and, uh, but he was correct. He, would, he wouldn't lie to me. He wouldn't put it up, but he never judged me. He showed me love and grace in the midst of, in the midst of all of it. For me, my transformation really occurred during this time where there was this message in the Bible where God talks about um, being the bride of Christ. And, you know, while I was a new bride, we were, well, nine years into it. But this message of being the bride of Christ and Jesus being my groom. And I just remember this day as I'm crying out to Christ in any language that I can think of. Because that was my relationship with him was to beg for forgiveness. I promise I'll never do this again. I promise I'll be better. I promise, I promise all these things if you'll just make this go away, you know. And so... As I'm crying out in anger and I'm crying out in this relentless abandonment that I felt inside, I just, all of a sudden, I realized if I am the bride of Christ and he has forgiven me of all these things, they're all the same things that Bo had just done to me. Like when Bo left me, I've left Jesus so many times. When Bo made really bad choices against me and other people in his life, I've made those exact same choices straight up to Jesus. And for the very first time in my life, I really understood what it meant to be the bride of Christ and him as my groom and the forgiveness that he had given me. And it was just this washing over me of like, well, how can I not forgive Bo? For these things that hurt me and left me alone, and I was just able to forgive him because I finally realized for the first time ever what it really meant to be forgiven. And I was able to see all the things that I had actually done to my groom. So that was my transformation. Yes, there was so many things after that that Bo and I did. Like he's reading the Bible and he's meeting with this guy and we're not living together. And we go to counseling. We did all the steps and we both worked really hard. Um, it wasn't me forgiving and acting like it didn't happen. It wasn't him uh, assuming that I was just going to, you know, ignore all the things that happened. You know, there was there was consequences for both of us that we had to face. And so I know for yeah. me, I know for me, <clears throat> the forgiveness part, <clears throat> excuse me, the forgiveness part. I grew up in the church. I got saved every summer camp. 
And I mean, like, because I felt bad for the stuff I did the night before. So every altar call, I was like, oh man, let's get saved again. I remember that. But when Jennifer's words, right, and what what she said to me is, how can I not forgive you when everything you've done to me, I've done to Christ? And I, even when I say it now, I'm like, holy cow, how is that possible? Like, it's a supernatural act of God, right? And, um, and that, I mean, I wouldn't say instantly changed me, but it shifted my entire dynamic of who God was, who Jesus was. And honestly, it took me on a course with him that has forever changed my life. Um, now, she said, like, right, we we changed in a moment, if you will. But transformation takes years. I mean, we're still transforming. Like, you know, I, I man, got up and, man, went to Bill's Gym every Wednesday morning. It was work. Like, some days I didn't want to go. But you know what? I knew that I had to. And Tom McGrady, man, I just like, that has changed my life. Like, meeting with guys that really do hold you accountable. You know, iron sharpens iron. And they just, like, they took me to play, like, took me to men's retreats where I've never done that before. And they were just, like, real. And, real, and, um, and I think for me, like, the vulnerability stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, just being, okay, this is what I did because it's very easy to hide what we do. And again, now that you have to share all the details and stuff, right? But there is a point where you have to be like, this is what's going on inside. Again, that, that whitewashed gym thing, man, that, that really hit me during this process. I was like, that's really what I was. I look really good. I mean, chiropractor, have a business, have a great, no, had a great marriage, I thought, right? And all this stuff, all these things that look good on the outside and we just like, nice and shiny. But man, on the inside, I was dying. And uh, I remember Grady said to me, he goes, here's the deal. He's like, it doesn't matter what your wife does. It doesn't matter if you stay together per se, but you have to get healthy for you because if you're just trying to win Jennifer back, she will read it and it will not work. And honestly, for years, I think I played that game where like I did something wrong. You play the game to make it work. And then everything's kind of smoothed up for a little bit, but really the underlying issues are never dealt with. And this was the time I think God was for us getting to the root issue of some some past hurts that we didn't honestly even know was there. Yeah. And um, some things that were from our, from our childhood, from like early maybe year of marriage and just different things that kept popping up and God just kept dealing with. But transformation takes time. It takes effort, energy, and just some serious work if you're going to change. Like we mentioned, there was for us this moment of realization, this tangible moment where the love of Christ became so real for both of us in the form of forgiveness. But just because of that moment in our life, did it mean that Bo came home and now we're, you know, grilling out on the grill and hanging out, having fun, kicking rocks and going for walks anymore? No, we we didn't do that for a while. Yeah. Um, So there's also this element of time and through a lot of time and a lot of work and a lot of emotions and a lot of like what we learned is a lot of this process really came from, um, what were we, 25, 26? I mean, that's 26 years of misunderstandings, 20, 26 years of life hurts and lies that had been spoken over both of us and just not understanding who we were or who we could be. And there are so many childish things that you want to hang on to that you really are unaware of. And just, again, you know, there's a healing process, but at the same time, if you keep bringing up all the details or keep asking all the crazy questions or keep prodding into making sure other people remember, 
what they did. You know, that's really childish at a point. You just have to grow up and realize, you know, you're either going to move forward or you're not. So I think once we both started to try to put away those childish things, um, then it got a little easier. Um, Just within our own marriage, you know, it did take time. It took some time to forgive and forget. And um, that forget part is a really hard, it's a big thing. We didn't forget totally. We're able to sit here and talk about it, but the pain has been forgotten. There's no pain in it anymore. No, and I think for me through that process too, what I had to realize is like, I wanted Jennifer just to brush it under red because that's the easiest thing to do. I wanted like forgiveness and like, let's move on because that's just easier. Well, you know, it's not always easy. And, um, and but I had to realize I had to give her the freedom to walk through her own emotions because I just like hurt her. And if I didn't give her the freedom to do that, because there would be little things that were, were maybe said or whatever, and I just had to be like, I remember, I remember ready to tell like, there's going to be times where things are brought up and you have to be able to handle that. And because uh, memories, the enemy man is good at his job. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to lie to us. And those little lies that will still pop up, right? For both of us. And little things would be said, like little jabs, if you will. And we had to learn that. And head, we're still learning that. Like, yeah. I think two weeks ago, we had a two-hour conversation downstairs in our basement. I walked in the room, and um, something hit us wrong. I don't even know what it was now. But it was like, oh, for real? And then two hours later, and I remember the kids came to the door. And they're like, uh, we're going to bed. I'm like, peace. And so two hours later, we're still having the conversation. So transformation is still happening today it just looks different than it did 18 years ago and that thing for me that's the biggest thing about transformation is like there's gonna be moments where it's super hard you gotta walk through it you gotta battle and you gotta like get people around you that love you and and like will journey with you that's a huge part of transformation i think you have to have people in your life that are willing to walk it out and there's gonna be seasons where there may be a bunch of people maybe one person but then later as in the stage life we're right now transformation looks like figuring out what raising four kids looks like on a daily basis. Could God use a different version of the story to heal us and transform us? Absolutely. But my intentional choice to do what I did, then God was able to use that for good. But man, the enemy is real. He doesn't want us to transform. He does, you know, and he does not want us to, to have a renewed mind. And honestly, for all this stuff to, to, to play out, we had to have a renewed mind. You know, we had, because honestly, like, because it's very easy to conform to the world. It's very easy for me to just like we're done and just move on. But none of that underlying, so if we had done that, then none of the underlying stuff that was really the issue would have never got dealt with. And it just plays out over and over and over again. We have, I continue still now to have to renew my mind because, man, the enemy is still, he just said, wait. I remember Grady was like, he just said some ways. And all of a sudden, like this one little thing come up, you know, just hits you like, oh, thought I dealt with that. And, and, um, and Gray's like, it's just a big layer. So God has put off big layers, right? Multiple layers. But there's still little little layers that keep getting put off. Like, you know, that, that's childish, selfish thing that you don't even realize there until you have a two-hour conversation in the basement. <laughs> You're like, oh, it's still there. Yeah. So, but it, it takes work. It takes time. But just like in our physical health, like if you put in the work, Spiritual health is no different. You have to.
What a powerful story. Thank you, Bo and Jen, for sharing that with us. Thank you for um, the vulnerability to share the story, but also the vulnerability to say that we're still in this process. We haven't got it all figured out yet. God's still working in our hearts. And thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing that with us today. Um, <clears throat> I told you today I'm going to get really practical. I feel like Bo and Jen gave us so many good things to think about, um, but I want to get just really, really practical on this idea that, yes, God does uh, transform some things. He does some healing and does some miracles and moments, but most of what he does is through the healing process in our, in our lives. And so I'm going to give us three steps this is our responsibility, three steps that we need to take to enter into that healing process that he wants to do in our lives. Um, and you're just gonna have to trust me that this comes from the word. One, I forgot my Bible now twice when I was sitting in my seat. And two, um, I can't read the small print anymore. And so I don't wanna put my dollar store readers on up here in front of you today. So I, I copied and pasted it. It's right here. You can open your own Bible and check to make sure it's legit, okay? But three steps that we need to take to to really enter in and be a part of this healing process God wants to do in our lives. And the first one is one word, ask. You know, I told you I was really excited about the miracles of Jesus. I dug deep. I did lots of searching and studying every single time Jesus healed somebody in the New Testament. And the one thing that stood out to me is nearly, nearly every single one of the people that Jesus healed started with an ask. The few exceptions that I found were people he stumbled upon that were demon-possessed, right? And they had no control over what they were saying, okay? But most of the healings that Jesus did started with an ask. And if it wasn't the person who was, you know, the paralyzed man who was sitting on the side of the road who yells, Jesus, son of, you know, son of David, have mercy on me. If it wasn't that, it was someone near and dear to that person who asked for them. So if we want <clears throat> to... If we want God to do a healing work in our lives, the first step is that we have to humbly admit that we can't do it on our own. Because humility always precedes healing. And that we're gonna be healed to the extent that we are willing to humble ourselves in the sight of God and say, I can't do this one on my own. You have to do it. And you, you know, for Bo and Jen, for Bo, that was that drive home. And I asked him this morning, I said, how long was that drive, Bo? And he said, it was the worst drive of my life. How many times did Bo have the opportunity as he was coming home to hop off on another exit that would have been a lot easier? But Bo had to walk in, in humility. He had to choose to come home and to choose to enter that process. And for Jennifer, she had to humble herself and say, God, I've done all these things too. You've forgiven me. I, you've forgiven me of much, how can I not forgive? And so this morning I would ask, what area of your life do you, have you, do you need to ask for God's help in? What area would you like him to make new? What area can you admit to your loving father that you can't do it on your own? Because that's the first step, because humility always precedes healing and our, our theme verse for this, you know, this series has been 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Well, I want to read another scripture to you um, that I think um, 
It just has a little bit of a different take on it. It's from Colossians. If you read the book of Colossians, it starts out in chapter one. Um, the, the people he's writing to are people who, um, who are Christians. They've been brought in. And it says, um, when he's talking to them, he says, you who were once far off have been brought near and made new, okay? So that's who he's talking to in the first couple chapters. So we pick up in chapter three, verse one, and it says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Skip to verse five. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator." Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive them. If anyone has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues, put on love, which bind them all together in perfect unity. So the three steps that I believe that we need to take to be a part of this healing process God wants to do in our lives is number one, we've got to ask. Number two, we've got to put off the old. And number three, we've got to put on the new. I think sometimes we get caught up in that first part because we just read, or we just, I just quoted 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. But now Colossians is telling me that I have to put off the old and put on the new. And I see it like this. I see it like um, I found this doll at our house. We have lots of dolls at our house. I found this doll at our house in one of the piles of toys that we have. <clears throat> and this doll... Um, I, you, I don't know how well you can see her, but she has half of her hair done, okay? Uh, done. This is not really done, but half of her hair is done. Her clothes are falling off. When I found her, she had one shoe on. And this is the picture I get when we think about um, when we first came to Christ, okay? We looked a lot like this doll, only a lot worse. It would, it's not like um, this doll that was found in a toy bin in my house, but it's more as like if this doll were found at the bottom of the biggest pile of garbage in the biggest uh, trash dump in the hottest, smelliest city on the planet, Okay, that's what it was like. This is what we looked like when we were in our life of sin. And then the king of all creation stoops down to our level and he digs through the trash until he finds us in our mess and he reaches out and extends forgiveness and life to us. And the moment that we ask him to, the moment that we ask and invite him to forgive us, he reaches his hand out. And the moment that we take that hand, he makes us new. Because I want you to hear me when I say this. We said that God does some miracles in moments, but mostly he works through process. I'm not 
the best biblical scholar in the whole world, so I could be wrong. But the only miracle that I believe God always does in a moment is forgive. God's forgiveness for you and for me is not a process. It happened the moment he reached into our mess and pulled us out. So when we say, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If you have taken that step and reached that hand out and asked for it, you are new. You are made new. This is your identity. He has made you new. But sometimes, I don't know about you, but I don't always feel new, right? I believe God's made me new. I believe he's reached out and brought me in, but I don't always feel like it. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, the old is gone, the new has come. Colossians says, put off the old and take on on the new. And what I believe is happening is both of those can happen at the same time. Because while God has made me new, my identity is new. What I often do is turn around and go put on my old clothes from the trash dump. I put on the dirty, holy, smelly clothes of anger, rage, unforgiveness. I put on those clothes. And he says that I need to rid myself of the old. Jen said it so well. She said, we have to get rid of those childish behaviors. She said, you're either going forward or you're not. So friend, this morning, I wanna ask you, what are those old childish behaviors the clothes that you had on that were in your wardrobe in the garbage dump, those clothes don't have to be the clothes that you wear every day. Because just because God makes us new, it doesn't mean that the attributes and character of God come naturally to me. My identity is in him. I am forgiven, I am clean, I am whole, but I'm not perfectly made in his image yet. But like this passage said, it said you need to put those things off, those things of old, you need to put them off to be renewed in the image of your creator. So we need to put off those old clothes, but we also need to put on the new ones. I need to put on the forgiveness. In Jen's words, how could I not forgive When Christ has forgiven me, I have to put on kindness. Kindness is not always natural to me. I have to put on gentleness. I have to put on unoffendability. I have to put on continually every day. I have to put on the attributes of Christ. You know, Bo said, transformation takes time, effort, energy, and some serious work if you're going to change. For Bo, it started with reading the word and just applying it. 
For Jen, she said she had to put away childish things, choosing to move forward and walk in forgiveness every day. I asked her this morning, Jen, when you said, I hope the sun is shining down on you, did you hope the sun was shining on Bo every day after that? Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) She said no. If she would have said yes, I wouldn't be talking about it right now because that would have been supernatural. None of us have ever experienced that. But she had to choose every day, am I going to put on the clothes that I used to wear or am I going to walk in not only in this new identity, but am I going to put on the image of Christ, which is forgiveness? Because I believe Jen had a moment of supernatural forgiveness when she was able to write that in her journal because she had a moment with God. But every day she had to continue to put on that jacket of forgiveness. And you know, I do think that every day as we choose it, I do think it becomes easier. Every day we won't wake up with the same dirty old clothes on. I believe that if we do it enough times that we'll wake up one morning and be like, oh, I never took that off slept in it last night because it does become natural to us but you know just as Bo said transformation takes work I want you to hear me it takes work it's not works so the enemy would like to tell you right now who do you think you are whose clothes do you think you're wearing All you're doing is putting these new clothes on this old person and trying to fool God and everybody else that you've been made new. But see, it's not about works because we said that God forgives in a moment. There is nothing I can do to speed up the process from here to here. There's nothing I can do. But the reason that we put these clothes on, I believe, is to two reasons. The first one is it shows my commitment to God. The first reason is because it says, God, you have forgiven me so much. How could I not wear this jacket of forgiveness? Or this one says, God, you have been so kind to me. How can I not be kind to the people at Walmart when they take an hour to check out my groceries? That's a new shirt I probably need to put on more often. But listen, this when we put these clothes on, it shows my commitment to God and it says, God, you have given me much. I am choosing to bear your image. Because I think the second reason that we put these on is because it shows God's handiwork in our lives. A couple years ago, a year, I don't know, a year or two ago, we were at a conference in Florida and it was in the morning and we were, we hadn't gone to the conference yet. We were stopping, uh, we're just hanging out for the morning and uh, threw on some clothes and went to this coffee shop and was waiting for coffee. And um, I'm in like, you know, sweatshirt, leggings, running shoes. And I'm standing in line for coffee and this lady goes, I love that sweatshirt. Who are you wearing? And some of you are fancier than I am. I shop at Sam's Club. And I bought this shirt I bought at Sam's Club this week for $6.81. Let me just tell you, okay. I don't often get asked, who are you wearing? This was a first for me. But you know, I believe that as we choose to, like this scripture says, clothe ourselves 
in humility, in kindness, in gentleness. As we clothe ourselves, people begin to see that something's different. People begin to say, wow, who are you wearing? Friends, our, our friends and our family that knew us when we were in the garbage heap and they saw us in our garbage clothes, that made sense to them. But if we've entered a relationship with God and we've said that God has changed our lives and they see us wearing our old clothes, that doesn't fit. It doesn't sit right. And I believe that this morning and this month, God is gonna do some transformational work in our lives. But it's not just because he wants to transform me and he wants to give me a new wardrobe, but I believe there's people in my life that need to be made new and they're not gonna do it until they've seen what it looks like. Till they've seen that God can really do it. So as we take time this morning to respond to the Lord, which we're gonna do, don't, don't, don't go anywhere just yet, okay? We're gonna take some time to respond to the Lord, but I want you to think about this. I want you to think about the transformational work in your life is not just about you. That what we're gonna do this morning as we respond to God has eternal ramifications in other people's lives as well. We're not going to put on a show. We're not going to be fake. We're not going to put new clothes on an old body, but we're going to allow God to do the work in us so that he can also begin to show others and begin that process in somebody else. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.